Okay, hello. Dr. Lupo has announced that he will be signing exclusively with YouTube and that he is leaving Twitch. There are a bunch of implications and cool stuff to talk about about this. This surprised even me. YouTube has not done a paid gaming deal in a long time, so there's a bunch of things to talk about here. Just before we get into it, if you like this channel, we cover a ton of different stuff around markets, business, content creation, marketing, live streaming, everything. Toss the subscription or go to our discord.gg slash Devin. Discord.gg slash Devin is a place where we have fantastic discussion about this kind of stuff 24-7. And it's been a great place. I've actually like, loved the conversation that's been going on there and been participating in it all the time. So please go check that out. All right. So Dr. Lupo, yeah, let's get right into it. Making the move to YouTube. This is... YouTube is very particular in the people that they acquire. The last one they did, I believe it was almost a year ago or over a year ago, and that's that was with Courage JD and Valkyrie. So there hasn't really been a significant move. And if you look at why that is, YouTube gaming is run by a dude named Ryan Watt. This guy, I think, really has his head on his shoulders. And he I love him because he posts a ton of stats about YouTube Live and YouTube Gaming that you normally can't get anywhere else on his Twitter. So he has a he just it's a great insight into like what YouTube is doing and the way he thinks about things. And he has said quite a few times on this Twitter that they don't really feel the need to partner people uh, unless they have a particular reason to do so. And and he he in an email to GameBeat he said. Um, we're working with a small subset of creators that illustrate the unique offering that YouTube Gaming has uh, as, has as the only gaming platform to offer comprehensive VOD, live, and short-form video product offerings. We only have a handful of exclusive and dedicated streamers to the platform, which is consistent and in line with how other live streaming platforms work. It's important for us to have a core group of live streamers who work closely with the product and engineering teams to create the world-class live streaming service made specifically for creators in mind. So that kind of indicates they have a very they're very exclusive. They they offer f much fewer paid deals than any other live platform. Twitch offering quite a few deals within their top two to 300 broadcasters we can see by the amount of announcements that come out. Lupo is a pretty rare acquisition and it's pretty clear why they would acquire him. I, I, I think, and this is the time, that's right, what you've all been waiting for. Yes. Yes. It is the notepad. Okay. So um, the first thing I want to say is like attach this. Lupo really seems like someone that Twitch would want to keep, uh, parentheses. It makes sense why YouTube made this decision. Lupo has done over $10 million of charity and done collaborations with Make-A-Wish Foundation. YouTube, or sorry, Twitch themselves donated a million dollars to charitable initiatives from one of Lupo's 24-hour streams. So Lupo seems like a really good catch for YouTube. And that tells me that, and this is just a total guess, I, I don't have any insight into this, but that probably the Twitch contract was underwhelming. And if we look at the first reason why Lupo did this, right? Number one, it's money. I'm just going to get that out of the way. There are more interesting reasons, so I want to just discuss this one so it's done. It's like, oh yeah, thanks for the video, Devin. He left for money. Wow, amazing. Analyst here, number one analyst on YouTube slash Twitch, whatever, right? This is what we watch this guy for. No, there are more interesting reasons, but obviously this is a huge one, and he says it. Family time is crazy important, as is reducing the amount of pressure because mental health is really important. Everyone's trying to secure the bag, right? There's no shame in that. That's the way why everybody gets up and goes to work. So, of course, the financial situation that YouTube presented me, without a doubt, is like, you know, I'm secure for life. Everybody's trying to get to that point. Why would I say no to that? So, most broadcasters, uh, especially people that have streamed 
multiple years. Think about a payout as it relates to their future, acknowledging that crazy amounts of streaming hours is unsustainable. Okay, there's no secret here, okay? I'm not, I'm not Nastradamus here. I haven't told you anything you don't know yet. Cool. So he's, he, part of it is money, right? But I think there's some more interesting implications here that we're going to get into. And real quick, backing, uh, going back around to like the Twitch contract was underwhelming. This is also interesting because the agency that represents Dr. Lupo also represents Lyric and Summit, who were also given their paid deals at about the same time that Lupo was, when Lupo did his announcement, Lyric and Summit did their announcements as well. Now, the way that agencies pitch is that agencies will always pitch everybody they possibly can for platform deals. So if they're going to get... Um, they, they, they certainly pitched uh, YouTube, Lyric and Summit, is what I'm trying to say. And if YouTube is aggressive right now in their acquisition of influencers, we may soon see an announcement of Lyric and Summit leaving the platform for a lot of the same reasons that I'm listing today. Um, one of them being money. These are also OG broadcasters, so time is going to be more important. That's actually number two is family time. But just an, uh, an interesting aside that I don't think you're going to get that insight anywhere else is, is that I would expect Lyric and Summit to be considered. I know they would be considered. And depending on where YouTube gaming is at and their strategy, they will, they might make a decision to acquire some more of the OGs of Twitch. And I think that'll actually do a lot to establishing a culture on YouTube live gaming. It's really interesting. So that's cool. Family time. And how long can I keep doing this? Right. Mental. So we see some of the top streamers on Twitch, Hassan Abi, Amaranth, streaming 250 plus hours a month. And at some point when you're four or five years into this, you're just like, how do I keep doing this, right? Uh, like, is this realistic? And you can see that a lot of the things that Lupo talked about, uh, he said were related to just getting more time with his family. And um, this is another one of those kind of obvious reasons why he might make that transition. And um, so the, just kind of getting the obvious reasons out of the way, more time with family, more money. These are reasons that we see every broadcaster move platforms, right? These are, these are, there's nothing surprising yet. Number three and number four, where I think we start to get interesting. So one of the things that Lupo said that uh, I think that a lot of people might kind of gloss over is this idea of a saturation point. So Lupo is quoted here, and I'm just going to post this real quick for everybody to see. On Twitch, I'm a pretty big fish in the lake. When I move to YouTube, I'm a little fish in an ocean. There's so much room to grow, and there's many opportunities to do incredible things with all sorts of content creators on YouTube. I think if this were any other platform, I might be concerned, but YouTube is like it. I think people underestimate the size of this platform and how much you can do with it. You know what, Ben? I agree with you. I think people do underestimate the size of this platform. YouTube has 2 billion users, right? And there's been some interesting stats with YouTube because YouTube has actually been going down in size. And I'm going to do a video after this one, I think, probably within the next two videos called The Future of Live Streaming, which is going to have a way more detailed breakdown of these analytics. But suffice to say that courtesy of Stream Hatchet, we've been finding out that over the last two quarters, YouTube Gaming Live total hours watched, I mean, the total hours that people watch YouTube Live has decreased quite a bit. And their concurrent viewer count has decreased by 32% over two quarters. Despite this, Twitch has been actually increasing in their viewership over the period of over a quarter one of COVID. So Twitch has been maintaining and doing pretty well. And they had a phenomenal year in 2020, increasing their viewership by almost 90%. So Twitch is killing it. But the last video that I made, I think was Twitch in the future of live streaming. And that made Facebook, the, 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 the stats there 
made Facebook and YouTube look very good. Now, Facebook still looks incredible, and if you want to see more about that, you'll have to subscribe to the channel because I'll be making that video soon. But suffice to say, YouTube has actually been on the decline for reasons I, I don't want to get into here that kind of past the point. But um, despite that, YouTube has 2 billion users. I mean, literally 30% of the earth uses the platform. And the saturation point idea means that Twitch is such a niche platform that the ceiling of potential viewers and exposure gets hit quickly, I'd say one to three years, by the top 001% broadcasters. Very smart broadcasters understand this, and that's why you see a lot of the top broadcasters diversifying super hard into Instagram, into TikTok, into YouTube, sometimes multiple channels, uh, aforementioned Amaranth, right, having three channels on YouTube. These are, these are really smart plays by intelligent broadcasters that are making these moves because they know that Twitch ceiling of potential viewers and the culture of Twitch gates them from having an enormous audience. It's really hard for someone to cross the chasm of widespread adoption of like household name type of celebrity stuff from just like a gamer like ninja was the first person we ever heard of doing that and it was like incredible where you can like go talk to a normal person on like an airplane and they would know kind of who ninja is that's a really incredible thing that most people haven't done so i think lupo is looking into the future there and he has a quote about this um that i put down where he said um well, I already said it, right? So I think that there's so many opportunities to do incredible things. And, and I also think that that aligns with what YouTube's vision is, is that YouTube views live streaming as kind of a event-based thing. It's, it's, it's stronger as an event-based thing. If you see a lot of the acquisitions that YouTube has been doing, they're mostly esports and event-focused, or they're focused on content creators who are doing a lot of events. And a lot of YouTube's most successful streams have been Fortnite events, like in the case of Laserbeam, particular... particular instances where YouTube can use the existing massive user base they have to drive people to these events and all of a sudden pull up sometimes a million viewers on a live stream, which is incredibly rare. Like Twitch has hit those numbers a few times also on live um, events. Like I think the most notable one was Greg, uh, Greg F where he had a live streaming event that, that, that eclipsed millions of viewers. I did a stream about that, the new Kings on Twitch or something like that. It was a super cool name of that video, and someone could find it. So saturation point means that Lupo has identified that he has hit a point on Twitch where you'll, you'll see this if you go into the social blades of some of the OG broadcasters. It's fascinating. You'll see that their follower count is actually declining every day because they're not pulling in enough. Now, they have thousands of viewers, right? You'll, you'll find a, a broadcaster. They'll have thousands of active viewers in terms of concurrent viewers, but their total or follower count is decreasing every day. Why is that happening? It's because they are not getting, they're too saturated on Twitch. They're not getting enough new, typically these broadcasters don't have corresponding other social media. They're not getting viewers from Instagram. They're not getting new viewers or intake from other funnels. And you can look at them and you'll be like, oh man, these guys are losing followers, even though they have like 3,000, 4,000 concurrent viewers. Like this happens all the time with like OG broadcasters that are like five or six years old. Lupo sees that and wants to raise the ceiling on his growth. And for him, moving to YouTube in the long term is actually the best move for that. I would say that this is probably a reason that eclipses even these other two. Um, money is obviously a really important thing, but if you're thinking about your brand and the long-term value that you provide, saturation points are really important to consider. So it's like being in a job, in a career where, have you ever been in a job or career where like you identify that you just have nowhere to go. Like there's just no promotion opportunities. There's no way to become a team leader. And you, what do you do? You, you, you change jobs. And for a broadcaster, the equivalent of that is changing platforms, 
right? It's the exact same thing. You basically give up all of your equity in an existing platform and you transfer it over to a place, but you, 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 and you start from zero again, but you start from zero again, but you, you increase your total ceiling to a much higher potential. So then by increasing that ceiling, you might have previously been here on Twitch or something. And now you're like way up here now that you have this potential and your total brand can increase and you get many more opportunities. And YouTube and Facebook are really the two platforms that do that. I think it's safe to say, especially if you look at the way that like Courage or Valkyrie talk about YouTube. When I, I, I think we had a podcast with them a while back on the Scuff podcast. And both of them were so positive about YouTube because they, they said that, well, number one, I mean, their viewership has done very well and, and their streams have done very well. But two, you can look at Twitch and you can say, okay, Twitch right now in quarter two of 2021 offers a superior product, but features can be built, right? UI can be built. Everybody always complains about YouTube's UI. And it's like, you'll find comments in the comment section here on this video that will be like, well, I like YouTube gaming. I would watch it, but the UI is kind of bad. It's like, okay, you can always fix UI issues. Like that's a team of engineers cranking that out on what, two to three months, but user acquisition, getting users onboarded to your platform and getting them familiar with your platform, but that is tough. That is not a nut that I think that Twitch can easily crack. And I think it's safe to say for anyone that really takes this, takes the market seriously, that Twitch will never reach the potential ceiling that YouTube offers its content creators. And when brand, when, when you look at that like a, as a brand, and, and then you combine that with the time investment that it takes to be a successful broadcaster on something like Twitch, no serious professional can make the decision to stay on Twitch and become a live streamer over the long term. And that brings me to number four, which is a point I'll say live streaming as a secondary market. What do I mean by that? So I think this is the coolest point in this video. A lot of people think of live streaming right now as like when you go see your streamer, like that's the brand. They're the streamer. You go watch them. You interact. They go offline. You go offline. So it is until their new, their normal stream starts again. But I don't think this is the modus operandi for the long term. I, I don't see live streaming anymore as a primary market. That is to say that there will always be people that are live streamers first, but they will always have short lifespans. They will always run into these issues and they will not be maximizing what their brand can do. And I think the real smart people have identified that they need to move away from the from live streaming being their main component of things. Some people are just lazy and they just live stream huge hours because it's just super easy to click the OBS button and sit, hit start stream and just sit there. But the it's certainly harder than like or certainly easier than like making a scripted video or diversifying your brand or like building an Instagram page or things like that. So there, there's there's some holdover from the people on Twitch that were first to market and are able to maintain audiences because they just have those audiences. But as I mentioned before, when we were talking about the, uh, the time investment, a lot of those broadcasters are now declining. And a lot of these new viewer hours that you're seeing come from Twitch and YouTube are, are coming from new content creators. The, the, a lot of this growth is coming from brand new content creators that have entered the platform in the last one to two years. And they're people that are making decisions about A, diversifying. So that's the first thing you see. If you see someone like Amaranth or Ludwig or a lot of these people that have come up recently as these very successful broadcasters, they're doing so at the behest of other platforms that are supporting that growth. Ludwig has a massive YouTube. Mizkiff has a massive YouTube. And as massive followings gets clipped all over the place, Amaranth has three YouTube channels as well as an Instagram with millions of followers, TikTok, everything, right? So broadcasters are doing one of two things. They're either diversifying 
their own brand so that they can get other funnels that feed into their live stream. Or they're doing things like Dr. Lupo where they're taking intelligent paid deals and then focusing more on pre-recorded content or focusing more on things that will get them a greater benefit for the time invested. And speaking for myself, I started thinking about this problem a lot. And it's one of the reasons why I've moved away from live streaming as a whole and as a medium. I I've realized that for as, as a professional running an agency, my time is worth a certain dollar value. And if I produce a video like this, which takes me uh, a couple hours to do, uh, you know, title, thumbnail, scripting, everything. And uh, Devin Ash scripts his videos, it seems like he's just talking. Like, I have bullet points. Okay, get off my back. Okay. Like, for me to produce this video, it's just such less of a time investment, but it's also focused on the value that I want to create. And for a professional, that's so important where if I run a broadcast for six hours, half of it might just me be going through YouTube videos and, and messing around with chat. And sure, I'm getting like some revenue from that in the form of subscriptions or occasional tips. But most of that value gets lost the second that I click the stop streaming button. Nothing is evergreen. It doesn't exist anymore. It, it, it's it, Nobody really goes back and watches VOD. There's not a culture of that on Twitch. And because of that, it so much of what you do as a live creator gets lost in the sauce. But that's not the case where like if you're doing written content on LinkedIn, if you're doing pre-recorded content on YouTube, if you're running uh, pictures on Instagram, these are things that then exist and live to be engaged with sometimes for years later. So if you have a valuable evergreen video that you make on YouTube, it could exist for years after, your, um, after, after you initially post it and, 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 and generate hundreds of thousands of views and revenue forever. Same with LinkedIn posts, same with anything that exists. But Twitch is really the only platform that isn't like that. So I think when Dr. Lupo makes the decision to move to something like YouTube, uh, these, are, these are what professional broadcasters that are looking at this as a business are, uh, if they're not diversifying, they're looking at it this way. And they're starting to say, man, is live streaming really something that I want to do? Am I, is, am I really getting an ROI for my time where I'm donating six to eight hours to 10 hours a day, seven days a week to this? Is there a better use of that time? This is why I think you haven't seen any serious professional really consider Twitch as a medium. One of the people that I, I thought was really interesting that made this, um, th th that I think was a really good litmus test of this, was an influencer named Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk is a super success that runs a huge agency called VaynerMedia, and he has 9.1 million followers. He's kind of the content creator's dream to follow in terms of like how to do things. And he's a massive influencer. He talks positively about Twitch, but he, when he actually tried Twitch, he started a channel and he played some video games with people for a couple of hours and ran in a stream occasionally and then basically kind of gave it up. And his agency doesn't engage with Twitch at all despite him talking about it positively. Now, I think a big reason why that might have happened is because he realized, like a lot of other professionals that I've corresponded with, that the time investment is too great for any professional to get a reasonable return on their investment. Uh, their investment in this case, equaling time. So I see live streaming as evolving over time into a secondary market. I think it's going to become something that you use to supplement your existing brand, where you go directly and you use it as an, like I said, an event-based platform where historically it's done the best. It's the best. It's the best live streaming has always been event-based, whether it be esports, which at one point accounted for twenty-five percent of Twitch before YouTube took a lot and made it like a lot more vague, it, and um. Or, uh, or it's either event-based 
or it's like something going on that allows you to directly interact with your audience in a way that you cannot do over other platforms. Because that's the real strength of live streaming is like talking back and forth with a live chat and giving, giving that experience of being there is really the value here of like what live streaming is. And I think a lot of, like, a lot of people would use live streaming as a kind of scheduled event. Like, hey, I'll be here at six o'clock for three hours if you want to do a Q&A. But less and less so as a medium for... Or if you want to do like a pre-produced event, less and less so for a medium that is like, hey, I'm going to interact with everybody every day for eight to 10 hours. I just don't think any professional could, and I define professional as like a person who is not spaghettiing, sitting there in their underwear, playing video games 15 hours a day, and just like has any thought to like building a long-term brand with a strategy or a business or a product or service or anything, they're not going to use Twitch as a marketing methodology or a medium in the same way that they would use YouTube or Facebook advertising or really anything because the time commitment just is never going to pay it back. And I think Lupo's thinking in that direction. I think a lot of people are thinking that direction if they're not thinking about diversifying. So those two last points are the ones that I think are the real value of this video. I'm always kind of looking for to, to produce some value. I, I don't make videos unless I really think that there's something here that... Um, is worth talking about. And I think these two points here are, are really the ones worth talking about. The other one too, that I think is kind of really golden is what is going to happen next. I guess I'll do a really quick talk about that, but I, I have to go. I'm kind of out of time. So the, the, there's a, there's a really interesting thing here about like how YouTube structures this strategy. And like, if, if it, it's interesting that maybe Twitch has paid a lot of money initially for these content creators. And, and now maybe they, they, they can't offer the same, paid deals. I'm really spitballing here and guessing, but I think that Lupo leaving Twitch is indicative of Twitch being less interested in creating. Like Lupo is like a star content creator for Twitch. He's right along the lines of the culture. That's exactly who you want to keep. You want to keep those. You want to keep Pokimane. You want to keep brand ambassadors, people that represent the website in the way that you would want to see it. And Twitch wants that. That's why they donated a million dollars to Dr. Lupo. They really, not even a year ago, right? They really thought that he was a cornerstone of their platform. So for him to leave and, and to cite it as a lucrative deal means that Twitch wasn't interested in, fi in fighting to keep him. I'm really interested to see who are the other broadcasters that applies to if YouTube decides to go aggressive here and capture some of the OGs. And will that have cultural implications on a lot of those people that sort of were the, the foundation of Twitch live streaming, if a lot of those people kind of come over to YouTube and start spreading that culture there, we start to solve some of the problems that YouTube has right now of it being a um, kind of just like mishmash of cultures and, and sort of a weird place. Like YouTube chat feels very different than, than Twitch chat. And one of, the ways, one of the ways that Twitch is leading the market right now is through their, um, through, the, through their community, just the way that people post emotes and things. And the last point I'd leave you with, um, and, and, and thank you if you've liked the video up to this point, absolutely please subscribe and uh, support the channel or, or come to our Discord, like I said, discord.gg slash Devin and come hang out. I'm there all the time. We're talking about these issues. We're, we're, we're crunching this stuff. A lot of these scripts come from people that are talking in the Discord and bringing up a lot of really interesting points that I then look into and research and consider. So, um, so many of you have been fantastic in the comments. I've actually been reading the comments section of YouTube because it's just been so awesome to see you guys supporting this kind of thing. And I can't believe people actually care about this stuff. Like you guys care about like macro statistics of like market stuff and YouTube and Twitch and social media and marketing and stuff. So super cool. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Right. And the last point I'll, I'll leave you with is like, um, although we've seen a decline in the concurrent viewership on YouTube 
in terms of live streaming, something I'm going to be talking about in the future of live streaming video I'll be producing in, in a few days. It is, it is really interesting to consider what would happen if YouTube makes kind of an aggressive pull again for some of these sort of core OG broadcasters. Remember, everything that YouTube takes from Twitch is substantial because there, in many cases, these broadcasters represent like 0.2 to 1% of Twitch's total viewership. But there have been times that, Twi that, that, that XQC represents one to 2% of, of Twitch's total viewership. So that's one out of 100 people, right? Like that's insane. That's, 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 that's totally insane. So every person that YouTube takes from Twitch counts. And if they take a lot of these OG broadcasters, Twitch is a, I know it doesn't seem like it because it, it feels like a vast platform, but really compared to YouTube and, and, and overall, it's not. And if you take, five or six of these top content creators that are sitting at like 20 or 30,000 viewers, there will be a noticeable shift in the culture of Twitch and, and the way that people view YouTube live gaming. Right now, the thing that YouTube live gaming is behind on is the discoverability and interfacing that Twitch provides. Like you go to Twitch and you, you get a directory of people and you can just go find a person based on total viewership or based on what you want to find. Like if we look here, we can look and sort by total viewers or by what's going on. YouTube does this a bit differently by using an algorithm that would suggest to you the best kind of live stream that you would want to find. So a lot of people compare or complain, I should say, about like YouTube having a very bad UI. I would agree that they should have a directory page similar to Twitch, but their angle is more to point people in the direction that their algorithm says of the content they would like. Whereas with Twitch, the way that you find stream is basically based on mob mentality. If, if a ton of people like it, it rises to the top, more people are watching, and so it goes. YouTube, I think, is trying to build a bit more of a sophisticated system, but this leads to a lot of people complaining about the UI and saying, hey, um, I, I, I don't like it because I can't find a directory of top viewership. But that may not be what YouTube is after. And again, it's so much easier to build a UI or to build that out in a very short amount of time than it is to acquire users. So I'm really interested, and I think something that, that, that you might want to talk about. Like, do you think that that would be a really big deal if YouTube acquires four or five more influencers? What happens? And like, what are the implications of Twitch? Like, like YouTube could really push those numbers up and maybe they have more incentive to do so because their concurrent viewers went down in the first two quarters, a, a fact that we're going to talk about in a future video. So if, if their average CCVs are going down and Twitch is just kind of like getting up there, maybe quarter three and quarter, quarter four are informed by a more aggressive marketing strategy. You're going to see these numbers shoot up as they acquire like five to six to seven influencers. If Twitch is not willing to fight on those budgets and you want to go up against Google, right? Like, Amazon's not going to put forward that money to fight because Twitch, Twitch is barely a profitable business. So, so that like Google's budget on YouTube, a vastly profitable platform is going to be way more aggressive. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. The begun the stream wars have, it's going to be exciting. And that's, unfortunately, that's all the time I have today. Uh, I can't talk anymore, but I really appreciate you all watching this video and I'm looking forward to seeing you ne next time. Please toss a subscription if it was worth it. Thank you so much. See you next time. Bye-bye.